Amen. John 10, 10, we'll go there. John 10, 10, 10, 10. It says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life. Everybody say life, life, and have it in abundance, abundance, abundance. So um, Julie and I, we have had many animals over the years. Our family has had many animals over the years. How many of y'all, you've gone through the one year, you know, we've been married for 28 years, and so you've had 28 years worth of different animals that have come and have departed this earth. And um, we had this one cat, and uh, we had this, actually, we had two cats. We named them Binky and Boo. And, um, and Boo, they were both uh, Mancoon cats. If you've ever, how many of y'all have had Mancoon cats? They're gigantic lionesses of animals. They're huge. They're massive, and they meow really loud and really often, and they're as vocal as, like, more, than, more vocal than most dogs, right? So... Um, just amazing, you know, if you're going to have a cat, I'm sorry if you don't have one, but if you're going to, it's a big cat, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a man-sized cat, amen, so we'll just leave that, and, um, and so, but this cat, so when my kids were little, when Rachel and Wesley were little, um, they would literally pick this cat up, and like, um, and uh, I don't know if this is the nature of all main coons, I don't really suggest that you do this with most cats, but they would pick this cat up and literally their head, the head of the cat would be here and the tail would be like dragging the ground. That's, that's, that's how big our cats were and that's how small our kids were. But literally they would pick that cat up and carry it and carry it around the whole house. And the cat's going, wow, 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 like everywhere. Isn't that right, Julie? Like everywhere it go. And it would, they, they would take that cat because evidently where they were at wasn't good enough because they had to bring that cat with them. And so they're just carrying around that big old cat. And it was just a sight to see watching our small kids carry around this big, huge, massive lion of a cat around the house. So, you know, what's amazing is um, that we talked about last week that uh, we talked about the sheepfold last week. Y'all remember that? We talked about the sheepfold. And where the sheepfold were, the sheepfold was a place where all the sheep, would kind of corral together. It was a, usually a rock structure with one gate. And the shepherd would stay in front of the sheepfold in the, in the opening there and would guard against anybody coming in or out and wouldn't let the sheep or any other animals get in and out. And this scripture is actually talking about this idea that anytime any sheep, any, anything that would come, would come over the gate would be a thief, right? And the thief would come in and try to steal the sheep and do what? Take the sheep somewhere else where it doesn't belong. Right? This is the, this is the word picture that Jesus is actually working with in this, in this thing where it says, in the scripture where it says the thief, because this is actually in the, in the, um, the uh, context of Jesus being our shepherd. This is the same context of that scripture. So Jesus being our shepherd, he talks about that there's a thief that comes over, can come over the wall, grab it, and take it just like our kids would take that, that cat and take it wherever they wanted. Well, how do, you, how do you know that life happens to all of us, and sometimes the enemy has picking us up and taken us out and taken us to a place that we don't want to go? And we find ourselves many times in a place even today where we sit at the beginning of 2024 and going, oh, you know, I need to make some resolutions because I am not 
some thief has come and taken me and put me in a place where I don't want to be. Amen? Whether it's your, your, um, your exercise regimen, whether it's your habits that you found yourself, whether it's addictions that you found yourself in, all kinds of things that have taken yourself. Maybe, you're, maybe financially you're just flat out in debt, and you don't know how in the world you're going to get out of it because the thief has come in and taken you to a place where you, did, you never intended to be. Maybe you're just discouraged. You're living in a place of discouragement. Disillusioned by life. Like life has not turned out for you like you expected it to. And if you're, you're a little bit older, you go, amen. Life doesn't roll out like the plans. You know, you didn't, you didn't become that fireman as a little boy, right? You didn't become that football player that you'd hoped or you didn't become that whatever that you'd hoped. And life is not what you thought it would be. Some of you are going, marriage is, hey, it's harder than they, they never told me it was going to be hard. All they showed me on TV is beautiful and happiness. And man, it's a struggle. <laughs> just look, guys, just look straight ahead. <laughs> just look straight ahead. No elbows, no nothing. And you're, or maybe you're just confused or addicted, feeling helpless. Mentally, maybe you're just, you're unstable in your mental capacity, for real. Like, and you don't know how you got here, but this is where you find yourself. Maybe it's, maybe you do know why you got here and you know, I have found the problem and I'm looking up in, in the mirror. And you know, it's you, you're the problem. But then some of you are in here and you go, hey, it's not fair. Those are the, those are hard. It's, I didn't do this to myself. It's not my fault that all this crazy stuff is going on around me. And you're wondering like, okay, great, pasta. Abundant life, right? Great. Let's talk about that. Let's dive into it. Because, you know, this, there's this, this elephant in the room of like, why don't I see this in my life. Amen? And so how do we get past it? Because I do believe that scripture is true. That scripture is true. I'm looking at it there. That scripture is true. That Jesus did come that you would have abundant life. Life to the full. So let's talk about that word life for a minute. When we talk about, we're talking about eternal life and abundant life, it's this, it's the life that God has intended and, and for us, the fullness of who he is. So what is that? That's beautiful little words there. Um, I keep wanting to pass that. I keep wanting to do that. Keep, uh, but like much of Greek words, we'll dive into it. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do know a little bit. Much of the Greek language is more um, expressive, more descriptive than our own language. So um, a lot of us, if you've been around church long enough, you've heard, you know, there's all these different types of the Greek word for love is this and this, this, or it's this, right? You're like, um, you're like, I love pizza. I love the Falcons. I love the fish. And I love Julie. And I love God, right? So are they the same? Like, I love Julie a little differently than I love pizza or sushi. I love, I love Julie a little bit more than, I mean, well, 
Julie's more faithful than my Falcons. We'll just say that. <laughs> my, my Falcons have not been faithful to me. And, and speaking of difficult situations, maybe you find yourself and your favorite team is looking to be the, the next coach is to be the enemy. Anyway. And you need Jesus. And forgiveness. The fact that, and a Super Bowl. Please. I'm 54 years old. I just won a Super Bowl. And the, and the numbers 28 to 3 haunt me. Discouraged. Where is the life, God, that you've promised me? So there's a lot of words, right? There's a lot of words. I don't see how I got off. There's a lot of words in the Greek, that, and there's words that mean life in the Greek that are different words um, depending on what the author or the person's trying to convey the thought. So there's, so there's life where we just live. We just live. Breathing, we're, you know, we're on this, as, as the guy says, on this side of the dirt, right? We're upright, walking, or we're just breathing life. We have life. There's our soulish life, the things that we kind of experience and, and those kind of things. But then there's this also this word, zoe life, is a different kind of word than the other words for life. It doesn't, zoe life is not just talking about you breathing, inhaling and exhaling and functioning, right? It has to do with this free, um, this is from, I think it's Baxter's, that I read this from, free and satisfied, victorious, full of peace, inexhaustibly refreshed. John 4.13 says you'll never thirst again. And everlasting, that it's gonna last forever. John 5 and verse 24. This, this word carries this meaning of not just existing in life, but it has to do with the, um, this, um, how I experience life in this way that God has. It has this amazing, amazing full, and it's not dependent on your circumstances. This life that God has called us to live. Uh, Jesus, he brings up this, this idea. It has not to do with um, it has not to do with just a living, but a quality of being. This word, life. Zoe life. It's the quality of life of your existence. This is what abundant life is all about. Interesting, as I studied this week, I noticed that it when it when it talks about eternal life. That word life after it is always zoe. It's always zoe, life. It's not just eternal existence. We're not just going to live forever. We're going to experience him fully forever and experience the fullness of what God says life is all about. We're going to experience that forever. We call it the here the now and the not yet. But God has called us into this life. That gives us, Jesus gives the analogy of a life, life that bubbles up like a spring within us, from within us. 
You know, we, um, Julie and I, are on our travels to do all the state parks in Georgia, we're on, we have three left. So if you want to know our opinion about any state park, we'll be glad to give you any. So that's been a 10, 15 year quest. So it's been amazing. One of the places we went to last year was Magnolia Springs. Magnolia Springs is an amazing, amazing place. It has a spring that actually produces 7 million gallons a day. 7 million. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And it's full of life all around it. Even the alligators. It's amazing. You're like, y'all went, y'all were like, oh, I'm all about, oh, nope, eh, nope. (laughs) Alligators, that just, no magnolia springs for me. But the life, the, they came around that spring. The fish were gigantic and there was no fishing. You couldn't fish. Such a shame. <laughs> that spring actually brings up life. And it poured like this, um, I think about the thing, that, that rivers in the desert. That God says, Jesus says, he says, you'll be a, be a life, a spring of life bubbling up out of you. It's amazing. And then he also, Jesus also speaks to it as amazing, as Kim said earlier, as light. Jesus said this, he spoke to them in John chapter 8 and verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again and said, I am the light of the world. I think God wants to say something this morning, Kim. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. Then he says this in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through, through me. So there's this life that God promises us. There's this life that Jesus offers us. This experiential, amazing, God kind of life, as Kenneth Hagin would say. The God kind of life, the Zoe life, to be not only, um, not only know about, but experience this life. And, um, but the, and we, we entitled this series as, um, let me just give you some backup about where we're going. When we talk about life change, when we talk about New Year's resolutions, when we talk about, I need these things to be changed, whether it's new habits, whether it's, um, whether it's new thinking, whether it's a new job, whether it's finances, and I got to start working on this. When we talk about these kinds of life change, what I've seen throughout ministry and in life is this idea of New Year's resolutions and change is, is, can be such a um, discouraging I don't hear a lot of mostly excitement when we talk about life change. Because most of us, and I'm unsatisfied, I hope you're unsatisfied too, with the amount of change that we see. Amen? But Jesus came to give this change that we talk about. So what's the disconnect? It's God's fault, probably. I'm sure that's what it is. It's probably God's fault. He's probably lying to us. Like, so what's the deal? And so as I've been thinking about it, and over the years, I said, well, I'm, I'm tired of doing 
the usual, hey, first of the year, hey, let's go. I'm tired of doing those things because they seem to be unfruitful. So what, what I want to do is I want to break down this in a long form about life change and how this comes. Who are your enemies in this life change? Why don't I see the change that, that um, I want to see? And what does that change maybe even really look like? So what we're going to do, so last week I talked about, in the first, if you want to have life change, if things want to be changed, if you want to go to the road to abundant life, as we're calling it, because it's going to be, a, we're on a journey. If you want to be on the road to eternal life, then we need, there's some things that we need to know along the way to get to the place where we need to go. There's some directions, amen, that we need to follow, that we need to understand before we even start on the path. And what we talked about last week was super important. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen. We talked about this, the fact that if you want life change, you want to go to the abundant life, you need to know basic who God is. And we had Ken last week, we had him up here with a marker, and we had Ken write all these attributes of who God is. He's faithful, he's good, he's kind, he's patient, he's forgiving, all the, all the things. And we talked about like, like before we even get to life change, we need to be sure of these things because I, I know that God is patient with other people. But he's not patient with me. I'm just hard on myself. That's just the way I am. Well, God's not, evidently. God's long-suffering. So you could believe it or other, but, but the first step, if you want to go on this, listen, this life to abundance isn't driving to Ackworth from Woodstock. <laughs> it's driving to Seattle from Atlanta. It's going to take a minute. And you know what? God's okay with it. God's okay with the journey that you're on, and he's patient with you to get there. He's also forgiving. Oh, yeah, 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 he'll forgive everybody. But like I said, I'm really hard on myself. Do you receive that same forgiveness for you? We asked this question last week. Does, do you believe that God loves you with the same love he asked you to love others with? Because remember, we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to love unconditionally. But do you believe that God's love is that way towards you? So listen, before you ever get started on this road to abundant life, you better understand some of these foundational things because along the way, you're going to take some wrong detours. You're going to believe some things about God and you that aren't true, and it's going to take you down a wrong path. Amen? Amen. So this is a process, and over the years, as I've, as I've talk, talked to people, my own experience, we've had to learn, like, so much of this stuff, and we, and, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, what we say about our culture, we live, we are the microwave culture, it's, it's absolutely true, and we do that for our own life and life change. You know, I want patience, I want, God, I want you to give me patience, and I want it now. So we talked about that. And the second thing we need to know this week is we need to know that we have enemies. There's an, there is an active enemy to your receiving abundant life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus said, to have give you life. There is an, a, 
opposing force. Actually, there are opposing forces. Forces against you. The first force that's against you is the world. The world. The world. Oh, yeah, the world. Talk about it, David. Talk about the world. Get them. The world is simply this. It may not be what you think it is. This, the world includes anything the world uses to find life outside of God. Philosophies, actions, cultural norms, societal norms, worldly influences, people that will lead you away from a life centered on God and his goodness. That's the world. And it incorporates a lot of different things. <laughs> the world actually can tempt us with materialism, secularism, and other distractions. Football. <laughs> to pull us away. Oh, I mean, I'm a football fan, so you got to keep these things in balance. Amen? <laughs> hey, that's hard enough. So, but there are things that this world will want to pull you away to try, and the and deception is that they'll go ahead and do that because it will you'll be better off. There's life outside of God's way in the kingdom of God, right? Amen. We are believers in this room. We call ourselves believers. We believe in Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've already accepted this is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. Interesting, he says, I'm the way, the way, the truth, and the life, right? So, so and the world would want to pull us away with all the different philosophies and thoughts and all, all of those things that are contrary to things of the kingdom of God. You also have, so that's one, and then you have your own flesh. A flesh is a fancy word for unsubmitted desires. Unsubmitted desires. Your flesh, what, you're, what you desire. When, when they saw the tree, they, they desired it as something that would be good. Even though God said don't, they saw it and they desired it and they wanted it. Actually, in um, James uh, chapter 1 and verse 14, where you're going, what about the devil? The devil, the devil. Like, hold on, we'll get to him. What about this scripture in James chapter 1, right? 1 and verse 14. Oh, no, we're good. Oh, you know what? That's my bad. James chapter 1 and verse 14. But each person, listen, just listen. Each person is tempted when he is drawn away, talking about the enemy, drawing you away and enticed by his own evil desires. So the devil will use your own, quote-unquote, evil desires and tempt you with them to draw you away. But remember, they originated in, your, in you. So there's things that we have to renew. We have to change the way we think. And then, then there's the devil. We finally got to the devil. He is a deceiver. He's an enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's a tempter. He's a father of lies, the adversary, the God of this age. 
And our simple response is to resist him. Standing firm in the faith, scripture says. You, so you have three enemies, not just one, but actually the enemy, the devil, is actually involved in all of them. He is the God of this world. He is the one that pulls, your, pulls from your evil desires, right? And he is the tempter. He is the one who lies to you. Ultimately, he is the one that's involved. And what he has done is he has climbed over the sheepfold wall, and he's done his thing, whether it's through the world or he's done it through your own desires or he's done it through his own words in your, in your ear and all those things. And he's grabbed over and he's taken some of you out of the sheepfold, right? We're not talking about salvation. Let's back up. We're, we're talking about where God would have you. Because remember, the sheep, remember the shepherd back in... And, and, um, and John 10, where he said the shepherd is going to gather them up within the sheepfold and take them out into pasture and lead them. He leads them out. Remember the scripture? He leads them out. Where does he take them to? Pastures to feed for life, for sustenance. So we're going to follow the shepherd. But sometimes the enemy comes in and lies and he steals you out and takes you like my kids took that cat to places where that cat didn't want to go. And you may be meow the whole way, but he still got you. Amen? And that traps us, and he traps us. He leads us into places that we don't want to go. The shepherd's going, God, I just want to take you to the pasture to eat, and to be fed. And he traps us and leads us into bad habits. Maybe a diagnosis, financial. You're overwhelmed with all of these things by things you can't fix on your own. Where are my fixers at? You want to fix it? I've got to fix it. There's a problem, i got to fix it. And things in your life are in disrepair, hopelessness. You feel lost. Like today, like today you came in and you went, I just feel like, purposeless. So what do you do when you're in those places? What do you do when you've been carried out in one way? Like what the interesting thing about life is my wife says it so well. She says, you know what? The good and the bad happen all together. Man, your, your, your kids, like your daughter, this is my son right over here, Nick. Uh, your son, I mean, your daughter, meets this great guy and they get married. But then like in the, this is not me, like in the same breath, you're like, I got health issues. Or you're financially in debt, right? Also good, the good of life and the bad of life, they happen all at the same time. Amen? So what do you do when you find yourself and these things are overwhelming and they're difficult? Um, so being a pastor, one of the things, uh, one of the things I've found that I, I attend is I, do, I see a lot of weddings. There's a lot of weddings. You do, a lot of, you do weddings, you see weddings, and many of the weddings, because wedding venues are stupid expensive, like ridiculously expensive. I mean, really, like if you have an ability to go buy some farmland, go buy it, and like empty farmland and charge like 
$20,000 for people to go to your empty farmland and have a wedding. Just do it. Just get a big mower, mow out some grass, and get some plastic chairs, and you're good to go. So we find ourselves like going to these weddings that are out in the distance. Some of you are in this room that we went to your weddings. And what's great is like you find yourself when you take your, you get your little GPS and you put your GPS and you put your um, Google Maps or whatever you're, you, you use and you put, it, put that location in there and you go and you drive in and you're going, wow. And, and thankfully, like you don't always have to have signal to get to where you need to go because some of these places that we've gone, they don't have signal. Can you say amen? amen? And what you do is you finally get to that. And I'm not picking on there's two definite people in this area and then that area back there <laughs> that we had those. Be- let me just say beautiful weddings, gorgeous sceneries, beautiful places. And, and, it's, and it's beautiful. And because they're not in the city. I'm just saying. Just saying. That's probably one of the reasons why they're. Or state, or, or, yeah, or state. I say, okay, no, we'll back up. All right, beautiful, and I love them deeply. But when we go, you know, you go there, and, and, and Google Maps and your map, whatever, your map, Apple Maps, and you can do that fight all on your own. But um, Google Maps, when you get there, like, it'll take you, even though you ran out of signal, it'll still take you there somehow. It's sorcery and magic. But anyway, so you get there. And it's great, you have a great experience, and all are happy, and you know, do you, yes, and yes, and let me get my vows and tears and all the things. It's beautiful. And then you get back in the car to go home, and you push the thing to go home, and there's, I got no signal. Now, how am I going to get home? I don't remember how I got to this place. Matter of fact, I don't even know if I turned right or left out of the venue. How many of you have been there? And you got no signal, no idea, no idea which way you're going, no idea which way you got to go. Oh, yeah, and it's dark. It's always dark. <laughs> and rural roads, they all look the same for miles. <laughs> so then you go out and you like turn right or turn left and you decide, you guess. And you're... <laughs> If you're a charismatic, you just go, Holy Spirit. <laughs> you lead me and guide me to all truth. Hallelujah. Oh, done it. Yes, sir. Done. Yes. Yes. We make sure you and Jesus are good. Because <laughs> of a voice of a stranger, I don't need to follow because I'll be lost. So you get in, and, and then all of a sudden, let's say you're desperately looking. And like me and Julie will be driving together, and, um, and, uh, and I'll be looking at, she'll be looking at the phone and go, oh, we got a bar, we got a bar, we got a bar, we got a bar. Oh, my gosh. Glory to the Father. Hurry, download it. Three days later, as it tries to download. Oh, we lost the signal again. Oh, it's so annoying. Isn't it annoying? So many of us, we have found ourselves at a destination wedding, and you're trying to get out of this place, and you don't have a signal. You know what you need? we need? We need to find a cell tower quickly. We need to find the signal so that I can get the information I need to get back on 
the road to abundant life. Because where I'm at right now is, well, it's dark, scary, lonely, and lost. And all your friends, they've already left. Or they're staying a lot longer at the wedding than you're going to stay. Amen. So what happens? This is what we do. So we come to the beginning of the year. All right, I have this addiction. I have these issues. I have these problems. I need to work on them. I'll fix them. I'm going to make these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do it right now, and it's going to be great. And then, like, today is what, the 12th, 13th? What's today, 13th? 14th. Oh, wow. Hmm. 14th. And I'm not going to do a show of hands, but how many of you have already left your New Year's resolution? Like, I hear you. So many of us, we need to get our bearings. We need to get our bearings back. Before you, church, listen, please. Before you make a job change, before you make some drastic decision, before you make some, listen, I'm telling you, before you make some promise to yourself that I'm going to do this, and then you, don't gonna, then you don't end up doing that, and all of a sudden shame and guilt are your best friends. Before you get to all of those things, you need to connect back with the cell tower. You need to get information back from God. God, what is your way out for these things? What is your way? What am I to do in this moment about these things? Because if God's the one directing you, He's the one that's with you. Remember we said last week that God will be your navigator in, the, in all these things. He's not up in heaven looking down going, you're going to turn around. Don't, don't, don't turn left. Don't turn left. Don't turn left. No, he's in the car with you. Like my wife has to help me because sometimes I miss the turn. So this week, um, Julie and I were having a conversation and um, we had some something we were talking about, and it and um, and it seemed overwhelming. I'll just say this: the, the thing seemed overwhelming. And we were at the kitchen table, and um, we were just talking about it. And you ever, if you ever have this conversation with somebody, or and and as you talk about it, the situation gets bigger and a bigger and more consequential. Like the decisions that you make have bigger consequences than, you know what I'm talking about. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I went, hey, I know what I'm going to speak on this week. I feel like I've lost the signal. And so in that moment, I remember out loud, didn't we? Out loud. I went, you know what? I said, you know what? We stopped. We just stopped. Both of us. We stopped the, you know, and I said, you know what? And we, we both kind of, I, well, I was going to say we both prayed. It wasn't really a prayer as we say prayer. We just kind of went, you know what? God's never left us. We've been up against things before. And we're now on the other side of all, uh, every one of those things. Well, all of them except a couple. We're still dealing with them. <coughs> We, there's the, we don't know what to do. Literally don't know what to do. 
And the temptation is just to brainstorm and let's figure it out, let's do it. But we stopped. We said, God, you never left me. You've never left me. God, I remember, I remember that I was in this situation and you pulled me out because you did this. Out loud. I'm saying these things out loud. I go, God is faithful to me. He's never let me down. And even when things didn't turn out like I wanted them, he never left me. I always felt and sensed his presence and his help guiding me. Even when things went really, really bad, like the worst case scenario happened, God still walked us through the process of the other side. And, we, we're, and I'm sitting there saying these things out loud. And I'm telling you, the confusion, hear me, the confusion, the distress, left. Left. Psalm 63, let's go there. Psalm 63 is set in the context of David, um, uh, David's king, and then his, his uh, Absalom comes up and, and, and throws a rebellion on him. And David flees, and he's away. And, um, and all that sounds fine until you really understand that who this Absalom is. Absalom is his son. So before we just dive into this, I want you to feel this for a second. It's not just some random person that's thrown up a coup against the king. It's your son. It's your son. So feel it, the hurt, betrayal. Like, it's betrayal is one thing, but then out of, out of your own family, betrayal. And so David writes this psalm, God, you are my God, er, eagerly I seek you. Oh, of course, he's going to eagerly seek. I thirst for you, my body faints for you. In a, in a land, leave it right here, in a land that's dry and desolate without water. This is not a good time for David. Can you imagine, like, not only is his job in danger and his kingship, this, and his force has risen up within his ranks to overthrow him. And he says, verse 2, So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because of your faithful love is better than life. Listen how he's dealing with the situation. So I bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. An outward sign of an inward thing that's going on with inside, David. You satisfy me with rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyous, joyful lips. Here we go. When I think of you as I lie on my bed and meditate on you during the night watches, because you are my helper, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. Think about this. I want you to think about this. Take yourself out of 2024. Put yourself hundreds of years before Jesus. No electricity. Think about, think about how, that live, how you live. No electricity. He's out. He's not in his palace anymore. So whatever luxuries, he's not there. So the only, think about it, like when it gets dark, 
But when it gets dark here, we just flip on our lights. There's no flipping on the lights in David's day. Maybe a candle, maybe. But like when, when, it's, when it's night and um, in back in these times, like you're done. Your day's done. Like there's nothing to do. Like there's no sitting back and looking at your Kindle and reading your Kindle. There's no watching sports. There's no flipping through your phone, looking for whatever video to watch. There's no streaming things to binge watch. You're just there in your own thoughts. And then he uses this word, he meditates. And about a year ago, God really started dealing with me about this word meditation. And boy, we're really quick, especially as Christians, we're really quick to discount things. You ever notice that about us? We go meditate. Oh, that's yoga. That's, that's, that's sinful. That, not yoga. Hear me. That's, um, that's, new, that's new age. Meditate. Med- Do you realize the Bible is full yeah. of meditation? The Bible commands us to meditate on the right things. So we know we talk about the world. You can meditate on the philosophies of the world. That's a thing. Or you can meditate on the truths of God's word or the truth of God, who God is. And what we've lost in our, in our culture, in Western culture, with the rise of all the things, is our ability to intentionally think on things. Usually our thoughts are guided by something that we're holding or watching or are driving or whatever. Our thoughts are guided by something else. What we need to do is recapture our intentional thoughts and grab hold of our intentional thoughts. Because if we don't, we just let our minds just go. If, we, if Julie and I, we just let that conversation go, it's just, it just builds more trouble, more anxiety, more... Tr- or, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I if I don't know what to do, then, then we're lost. I'm the leader. Explosion. How many of y'all been there? Intentional thinking. He says, as I lay in my bed, I meditate in the night watches. What does that mean? Think about. Intentionally think about. It's not, it's not, cross legs. No, it's simply, simply intentional thinking. Intentional thinking. I will choose what I'm going to think about. So what do you think he's thinking about? Probably some of the things that are in this passage. My lips will glorify you because of your faithful love. Faithful love. So we read that really fast, right? We read it faithful love. Oh, yeah, God loves me. Yep. No, no, no. Let's break that down and stop and intentionally think, he didn't just say love. He said faithful love. So his love is faithful. And then I know this other scripture, and it says that God's faithful even where we're faithless. So that means that God is, it doesn't, my faithfulness to him doesn't determine his love for me. He continually, but you get that because you're intentionally thinking about those things. God gave us a brain. He gave us imagination to use those things for the glory of God, to help us process who God is in those moments 
Notice about this scripture that in all these things, he says, um, verse seven, go to verse seven. He said, because you are my helper, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. That, that came, that didn't, he didn't read that and go, I'm gonna, oh, that's good, I'm gonna write that down. No, that came out of him, out of his own meditation about the goodness of who God is. Some of us need to write our own Psalms. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. Go the next verse. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. These are thoughts. Think about this. This is before the Bible. David's writing this. He's thinking about these things and these revelations. God, oh, no, no, no. I know all these. I'm in a dry and weary land, but God, you know what? Your faithful love has never left me. Hear him. You've never left me. God, you, you know what? I, you know what I, I believe what I've learned and I know about you is God that you will always hold on to me in every trouble. Notice this scripture doesn't say, um, P.S. Absalom died. Nothing's changed. The situation has not changed. I mean, it will, but not when he writes this. It's God giving him. Um, and I'll use the word, a mindset of thinking God's thoughts about him and about his situation. And then he goes on and says that God's going to trash my enemies. It's really awesome. You should read the rest of it. <laughs> you crush my enemies. Amen. That's where I want to ask where we need to get to, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'll crush my enemies. Oh, yeah, that's my son. Hmm. This is difficult. These are difficult. See, we need to read our scriptures and not just blah, read them. Read them. Slow down. Meditate. Think about. Intentionally think. Has God, like, because the moments you start with the, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can do it. I remember battling when I battled addiction. One of the worst things, the biggest lie to me was I've tried to beat this addiction before and I failed every, hear me, church. Every time, what makes this time any different? That's the lie. What makes this time any different than all the other times I've tried and failed? And those voices are like so loud, so loud. That's all you can think about. And if you know me long enough, I always say it. You don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. words. The truth of God's word. Meditate, think about. That word actually that has to do with actually muttering. The word meditate. Speaking out. But allow your brain, have your mind to, I mean, you've got, many of you have been through church. Some of you are new believers, I get it. Some of you have been in church a long time. And you know more scriptures than you even know. You know more truths about who God is than you even know. Allow your mind to, to go there and remind yourself. Blessed, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Because you know why? Because we're forgetful people. And we need moments of clarity, no moments of time. I need moments that I get before God and I go, God, yeah, no, no, no. All these things, my whole world is falling apart. But God, I don't know how I'm going to get in this out of this financial situation. But God, you are my God. You'll never leave me. You'll never forget about me. God, 
God, you've actually put the Holy Spirit to guide me and lead me in every one of these areas. You haven't left me alone. I am not. God, you didn't call me and leave me. You didn't call me to be a child of you and then abandon me. That is not who you are. But we have to intentionally think on these things. Take the time. Do it while you're in, I mean, this is something, meditation is something you can, I'm not a big, I mean, you can pray in the car and all this stuff. I don't think, I don't think your car should be your number one, just me talking, number one prayer closet. Clunk. It's fine. If that's you, that's where you're at, good, wonderful, do it. But I will, I will say this, the car is a great place to meditate. But you have to turn off even your Christian podcast. Sometimes you need to get it from in here. Out of your own spirit. Sometimes you just need to think about on purpose as you're driving in the car, turn off all the noise and intentionally think about how God is your rescuer. God is not going to abandon me. Why would God abandon me? That's not God. In the showers, great place. You're alone. It's just you and your thoughts. It's great, great. Anytime you're alone, anytime you're alone. Like literally, guys, when I, would work, when I was working secular, when I was working in at the dealerships and places I used to work at. When, when I, like literally, I would have my coworkers, are so, they were so crazy. I had those coworkers too, and they're crazy. And they cause you to go crazy. And so what do you what do? You do? Um, uh, I need to go to the bathroom. And I would literally go into the stall, shut the door, and start muttering God's word in, in my heart to him. I just need a minute. I didn't tell why I need to go, but I just need to go. Because I need to get away for a moment. You know what? All your, your, many of your coworkers, I used to think about this. Many of your coworkers have smoke breaks. Why don't I get one? I mean, I don't smoke. But I don't, why don't I get a break? Why don't I get a break to go out and do my thing? And go hear from God. Amen? Hmm. I didn't land like I thought it was. <laughs> it's true. So before you start with the, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Now, this is the way I'm going to get out. This way, no, 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 just calm yourself. Get from, get from God. Get before God and allow God not only to be the one that you are striving. Many of these habits, these new things that you're doing, you're doing them out of a heart to please God. I get it. And it's wonderful. But connect with him as you do it. Does that make sense? You hear me? Let's all stand together. We all have an enemy, enemies that want to push back against all the things. We all have, we all have the enemies. But before you start strategizing, this is what I'm going to do. Before you say, I need to change my job, before you're like, I need to do this, we're, we're followers of Jesus. Amen? Let the, listen, hear me. Let the world do it the way the world wants to do it. But as followers of Jesus, we're submitted to the king. And the good thing is, our good, gracious king, hmm, 
has made us right with him so that we can dialogue. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And remember, he's writing through the church as he's saying this. It's not, this is not, I mean, it is evangelical. I get it. People use it for evangelical. But this, he's knocking on the door of the hearts of the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you just open the door, give him some time, give him some moments for him to speak to you and to remind you of who he is. So I want you to grab hold of your thoughts for a moment. All the thoughts of, what time it is and when we're getting out and when we're what what am I gonna eat for lunch and all those things. Just take a moment. You, you know you have to fight for it. You have to fight for your intentional thoughts. I want you to think about that situation. And yeah, man, it seems impossible. And there was a time where Julie and I were so in debt, it, it just even seemed like a thing that, to be able to get out. It wasn't even really a category. And I want you to think Intentionally, God, what do you say about this situation? Ask him, God, what do you say about this situation? Now, maybe God will bring some scriptures to mind. Maybe you don't know a whole lot of scriptures. Maybe God just brings thoughts of things that you've heard about who God is and his goodness and his help. He's an ever-present help in time of need. Maybe you're in here and your thoughts are, man, I got, I am so wrapped with addiction. I can't stop this habit, this thing. And I hate myself for it. And I feel like a loser because of it. God, what do you say about this? What do you say? What is the good and faithful, loving, king say about that? Hmm. Now ask the question, is God patient to see you through to the very end? Maybe the question is, is he strong enough to fix it? Thank you, God. God, I know that you are the chain breaker. I know, God, that your word says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That same Jesus, the power of Jesus, lives inside of you by the work of the Holy Spirit. You've been given delegated authority by the king of all. You've been given a name that's above every name. He, Jesus said, in my name, you'll cast out devils. Heal the sick. 
Jesus says, I've come to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Remember, that's for you too. That's not just for somebody else. It's for you. For you. Those who are oppressed. I mean, you. In Jesus' name. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That God has seated me in heavenly places far above all principalities, all powers. That doesn't just include, listen, that doesn't just include demonic stuff. It includes every principality of the world. The world systems. That God seated you with him in those places. He's filled you with all of the fruit of the Spirit to activate and walk through and walk out the fullness of who God is within you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Put your hand on your heart. Some of you even right now, even here by the Spirit of God, even in, in me right now, that you're starting to feel. Some of you are just, just keep your eyes closed for a minute. I want to see. If you've, if all of a sudden you said, man, I just started feeling some peace come about. Just lift your hand right where you're at. Awesome, awesome, look at that. That's awesome. So some of, it's gonna some of you it's gonna take a little bit more. And it's a fight. It's a battle. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Hallelujah, God, you're so good. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. Hallelujah. There's much more to say about all these things, but we're, that's why we do a series. <laughs> Just stay with it. Amen. Don't quit. You know, part of the biggest way you win battles, just don't quit. Just don't, just refuse. If you get knocked down, just get back, right back up. Right back up. Knocked down, get back up again. I get knocked down, I get up again. Some of y'all need to go back and listen to that song this week. I get knocked down. Amen. Let's say it with our, let's say it with what we as we believe it. Say, Father, I thank you that the greater one, your very spirit, lives within me. The greater one, the strong one, in Jesus' name. Your spirit is giving life, the Zoe life, to my mortal body, to my thinking. My soulish life, in Jesus' name. I will declare, as Mary declared, there is nothing that is impossible with God, in Jesus' name. I can do what you've strengthened me to do. What you've called me into, you've equipped me into. That includes parenting. Being a steward of what you've given me. Strength on my job. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I love you, God. In Jesus' name. Well, God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week. Meditate. Intentional thinking. Amen. God bless you.